but we're out here though. Come on, nation. What up? What up? What up, everyone? Welcome to episode 145. That's right, episode 145 of Combos Court, and I am Combo. Crazy times we're living in. Make sure you wash your hands. Practice social distancing. We'll get through this together. Also, man, get your exercise in. This is an opportunity where you'll have some time on your hands if you want to create something dope. Just get it, man. Get it. Get better during this time. We'll get through it. And we have an episode of Combos Court for you, man. Today's show, Monica McNutt joins in. Monica is a former Georgetown Hoya, a college hoops analyst for FS1, ESPN, ACC Network, among others. We discuss leadership, the Rick Patino hiring, some WNBA talk, and much, much more. A great conversation with Monica. Follow Monica on Instagram at McNutt, Monica underscore, that's MC. N-U-T-T-M-O-N-I-C-A underscore. You know you could follow me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Welcome to Cowboys Court, Monica. How are you feeling? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, it's a crazy world we're living in right now. So Monica is a college basketball analyst for MSG Networks, ESPN, FS1. Am I missing something? You're all over the place, Monica. I am all over the place, but no, those are the big ones. <laughs> right. Former Georgetown Hoya. How has life changed for you in these past couple of days? I had not been in my house for more than two days for the last, what is this, March? Yeah. At least three months. Um, and I've already been home for four days. <laughs> right. Are you going crazy? I'm not going crazy because it's funny. There's this fine balance between like rest. Um, yes. And I had been telling my boyfriend that I was starting to really look forward to vacation. I did find a second win heading into the postseason. Um, I'm not gone crazy yet. I'm feeling a little rest, rejuvenation. Um, and then most importantly, for the sake of safety, you know, you keep the big thing at the top of the list and that helps you kind of put everything else in perspective. Right. So after Georgetown, what went into your decision jumping into media instead of playing or instead of coaching? My goal was to go to school for free. And once I did that, I felt like I was on to the next challenge. Um, I remember saying to my dad at the time, there's no way that I can remain relevant in the sports media space and you strike while this iron is hot if I am an ocean away. And so that yes. was why I opted not to go and play overseas and start trying to find my way in sports media. Right. Speaking of overseas, you know, when I was playing over there, you used to see like all the girls that played in the WNBA over there. Are we getting closer to a place where the best players will be able to play in America during the year? I don't think so. I don't think that the American market for the WNBA has the financial support. I mean, Diana Taraji's team paid her a million dollars not to play. Do you right. know what they pay her right. to play? I don't have that number in front of me, but if they're paying her a million to sit out, you do the math. This is crazy what's going on with NCAA. We've never had anything like this before. There's no sports going on now. Where do you land on those players, especially the seniors, getting their eligibility back for next season? I think that something should be done for spring sports, for sure. I am not sure where I am as far as winter sports, particularly basketball. This, it sucks, but it's not as if someone, I mean, 
I'm going to say this on a base level, and there are probably folks heavy in the political sphere that would disagree with me. It's not as if someone made an egregious mistake for which these kids are being forced to pay. This is something that has affected our entire nation. It is unprecedented. It is uncharted. Whatever other synonyms you'd like to use, I think it blows, but this is sort of real life. Um, now, the NCAA structure, as, as much of American society, is built essentially on debt. So the issue of whether or not schools could actually afford to keep kids around to compete in the postseason, mm, that's not really an issue. But then I do think about roster spots, honestly, Andrew. Yeah. Say your favorite college institution says, all right, we'll keep our seniors. What about the incoming kids that are coming in? Like, do you have enough space to do that? And then- I have to redshirt them. Right, and so why, if I'm a freshman, why do I have to redshirt because you coming back over something that I didn't do wrong? You know what I mean? Like, right. there's just so many layers of that conversation. Um, I'd like to believe that seniors can take this one on the chin um, and begin to navigate the next steps in their, in their careers. And I get I'm saying that having not lived it, and I certainly feel for those upperclassmen and seniors, but this is something that's going to affect all of us in many different ways. It feels like to me that the NCAA has been on decline, uh, probably not as much on the women's level, because those girls aren't leaving early. Those girls haven't been taking alternative options, but what does this mean for the NCAA? Could this lead to just really going downhill and just disappearing altogether? Or you don't see it going that way. I don't think that coronavirus would be the next step in the dissolution, this dissolvement, rather, I guess I should say, of the NCAA. Right. Um, it, the NCAA is such a large governing body. I do think that we're on the cusp of kids being able to at least own their own likeness and whatever money they can generate from that, they should. I support that. I have said for a long time now that if you're Alabama football, Duke basketball, you name it, program that draws the eyeballs, then these kids would have the opportunity to monetize through their likeness. Add a position to your athletic staff or to your specific teams that helps the kids navigate that space as well. Teach right. them and empower them. Don't tell them, no, you can't because of some governing body that really is out of touch and just wants to benefit off their labor. Right. You know, you have a better idea about the uh, NCAA system than I do. Doesn't March Madness pay for a lot of the other sports and a lot of the other divisions? Yes. So this is going to get really tricky. All right. Let's, let's uh, shift to something a little more positive. Uh, Sabrina Ionescu. You know, when I watch her play, I see poise. Like, that's the first thing that comes to my head. Like, she's such a poised player. How do you feel her game will translate to the next level? You know, it's interesting. I've talked with a couple friends that are, were former WNBA players, or even current WNBA players, and most seem to be most excited on that roster about Satu Sabli. Um, she played with she's the a big girl, right? Yes, she's yes. one of them. Ruthie Hebert is one, and then Satu Sabli is the other. She played with um, the German national team earlier this year. I believe it was the German national team. I hope I didn't misspeak there. Um, I, here's the thing. Sabrina reminds me a lot of Kelsey Plum. Really? Well, I thought I, she was more of a point guard and Kelsey's more of a scorer. Am I so, okay. So here's the deal though. Okay. Uh, Sabrina has a better point guard set, but right. in terms of the goals that she's been able to accomplish, a lot of it has to do with volume. Okay. I think Sabrina will be fine as a pro. Do I think there's going to be a curve? Yes. But I think she'll be fine as a pro. She's going to, because, and the other part of it is, and we talk about this on the NBA side, it's also the same on the WNBA side. She's going to have to guard whatever position she plays. Um, and I, I'm not saying that Sabrina is not a defender, but I don't know that we've talked about her as a defender in terms of that being one of 
something that we consider her to have a ton of prowess in. I think Sabrina is great. I appreciate what she said during Kobe's memorial. I've had yes. the opportunity to interview her briefly. She's clearly worked very, very hard and is a student of the game. And the fact that she is such a student of the game gives me confidence that he, she will have a solid WNBA career. I do think there's going to be a curve, though, which is natural. His lateral movement. What is it about her defense that concerns you? So I'm, I'm not going to say that I have a specific concern, but I have not, I have not heard or seen her defensive prowess praised. You follow got me? Got you. Got so, you. yes. I mean, straight up in the, on the next level, if she's at the two position, Angel McCartry is returning this season. She's got, you know, Angel McCartry's are, are at the two. Or even if we stick with her at the one spot, the first one that comes to mind for me is like a Skylar Diggins, right? Or even a Chelsea yeah. Gray out in Los Angeles. Or for the Mystics this past year, it was Christy Tolliver who primarily ran that spot. I mean, these are people that we know have incredible foot speed that we also know will lock down on the other end defensively, whether it's Chelsea Gray who's able to use her size or the foot speed and the quickness of a Skylar Diggins-Smith. Um, I just, it's just gonna be a curve. I don't, she, for all that she has accomplished, do I think she can rise to the occasion? 100%. Um, we're just going to have to see. We're just going to have to see. Let's shift to the men's game, Monica. Um, Rick Pitino is the new head coach of Iona. What do you make of it? Um, cool, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing. Um, and it's funny because, like, in light of coronavirus, ESPN has turned to basketball, a love story, and all the 30 for 30s. Right. And so it was funny because yesterday we were watching the – I don't – I forget which part it was, but it talked about the Boston Lakers deal – Boston, the Celtics-Lakers deal, rather, Boston-LA, and Pat Riley, young Pat Riley as the Lakers coach. For today's NBA fan, growing up 10 years old, loves his players, whatever, 15 years old maybe, he may have no idea that Pat Riley was once the Lakers head coach. You just know Pat Riley as the OG for the Miami Heat. And so in basketball, as we see in life, but in sports, there's this retread of white men. Like, they get these opportunities, whether you agree or disagree, whether they deserve them on merit or character or whatever. I'm not surprised to see Rick Pitino back. I think he's a great basketball mind. His pedigree, his resume shows that. Um, did I jump up and down and react either way to this? No? All right, Rick Pitino's back. Cool. What do you think should be done differently in the hiring process? For I think all we these have a real conversation about the depth of mm -hmm. diversity. It seems to pop up on the NFL side with the Rooney rule, but I don't know how many conversations we're having about it in sincerity on the NBA side, the NCAA side, let's not get into women's basketball and how even though it's a space that's supposed to celebrate women, a large portion of leadership are white men still to this day. I'm not saying that you take the Muffet McGraw approach necessarily and say you're only going to hire women, but I do think we need to have real conversations about the depth of diversity because getting into these networks sometimes is not the same for a person of color, a black man, let's say, as it would be for a white man. Um, and I also think a lot of it, and I, I'm not mad at owners in a sense, across sports, you hire who you're comfortable with. If I was in a position to hire, then my organization probably would resemble me a little bit more because I would hire who I'm comfortable with. But the likelihood of having a black owner in the NFL, NBA, whatever, you name it, like, it's just different worlds. And so we have to have a sincere conversation about the depth of diversity and really trying to make urgent change. I'm not saying that you just throw somebody in there to check off your diversity box, but I do think you got to dig. You have to want your organization to reflect diversity sincerely if you want to see it. For sure. I agree. Those conversations definitely have to be made. Um, changes need to be made. Speaking of changes, um, is there any changes you'd like to see in terms of rules with the women's game? Um, I missed the one-and-one one in the women's game. I, I thought I wasn't going to like quarters, but I actually don't mind quarters. We've been doing quarters, I think. Why wouldn't you like quarters? 
Um, quarters just took me back to high school. I liked playing halves. When I was doing my thing in college, it was halves. I just, it felt like the next step up. Like, you know, you graduate from high school, now you're in college. Um, but quarters didn't bother me so much. I always, always, always hated taking away one-on-one, though. Because you feel like there's a clutch component, a clutch aspect to it? Where 100%. Yes, yeah. there's a strategy to it, all of that. Right. How'd you feel about the Elam ending? And would you like to see that implemented? Um, I that- love the Elam ending. I'm a big fan of the TBT. In fact, if this gets to anyone that works for the TBT, I'll be sending my emails and hopefully we can team up this summer. <laughs> um, oh, you want to coach? No, no, no. I would cover the TBT. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, that would be dope. I actually um, played like three, I'd say four years back. Yeah, it's a, it's a great tournament. Like, it's, it's awesome for sure. I love the TBT. And I think what those guys have done um, with that product I think it's fantastic. I grew up, like, when I tell my basketball love story, it was men's college basketball first. And so for me, the TBT seeing names that you haven't necessarily seen or didn't follow overseas, I just think it's dope. And it's super cool for alumni bases as well. Um, I love the TBT. I think it was great in the All-Star game. I do not want to see the TBT in real regulation games, though. Or the TBT ending, rather. The Elam ending in real regulation games. If Carmelo Anthony were to play with Syracuse in the TBT, would that ensure victory? Would you be surprised if they lost? How, how do you feel? How would you, what do you I make of that? I don't think that would ensure victory at all. Because right. I don't. Because I don't know who else will be on that. What do you, who are you bringing back? Hakeem Warwick? Uh, what's my guy? Jerry McNamara? Like, you bringing the whole squad back? Like, what you doing, Andrew? Right, right. <laughs> um, I don't think that would ensure victory because those guys are older now. And, you know, some of the guys that come through the TPT are really hungry. I think last year, yeah. was it? I don't know if it was Ohio State squad that won. Um, but you know, you've got guys that have, are in and out of the NBA that participate. Sure. In the so like the level of competition isn't anything to sneeze at. For sure. I, I don't, I definitely wouldn't ensure uh victory. The thing is in the TBT, you got these EuroLeague guys. And what I tell people, like a lot of like go-to type players end up overseas, even though they're NBA level players, they just don't fit in the NBA. Like let's say a three and D guy talent level in the TBT is really high, especially when you got those high level overseas guys that could really just get bucket it's just it's an incredible tournament it just keeps getting better every year agree 100 yeah. percent. it's yeah. great people should check it out for sure all right so I've, i read an article the article said you were outspoken the article said you were a leader at georgetown what did you learn about leadership while you were at georgetown oh my god what article did you dig up you i have to go find it <laughs> <laughs> maybe i didn't dig it up maybe it came across me you never know monica 2020 everything's out here Oh my God. Um, I think leadership for me, Georgetown was the first time that I really grasped the idea of servant leadership, I think is what the phrase has been coined as. Okay. And this idea of, you know, leading is really about an example and finding a way to meet those who you are leading where they are. My team, I loved my team. I loved my experience at Georgetown. Some of my best friends were my teammates. Um, um, and then there's some people that I probably won't talk to unless I happen to bump into them. At some sort of <laughs> and so I think my experience with my team not being all roses helped me understand leadership is not necessarily about friendships, right? Like it's about respect. It's about consistency. It's about examples. It's about getting people to move toward a common goal, whether they like one another or not. But if we have this goal in common, then we're straight. Like I remember... <laughs> My team, we were like the cute team, right? So as soon as somebody got popped in practice, like hit in the face, it was on, right? And so uh, that also applied in games. And even though not everybody was best friends, one through 15, when we were trying to win a basketball game, like that's all that mattered. And so I think for me, um, understanding leadership as getting everyone to chase the common goal and put aside 
their personal preferences can be very powerful. And then it just holds you to a higher standard because you are leading these people and they are watching you. Whether you feel like being on your A game or not, they are watching you and you are responsible for setting the tempo. Is a women's basketball team ever all roses? Have you ever been a part of a women's basketball team that, that was all roses? Um, my high school teams, I had a blast with. Like, gotcha. I mean, I don't know the best part of being younger before life starts to creep into your mind. I had a right. blast with my... Um, AAU teams coming up. And again, that wasn't necessarily all roses, but some of the issues that I dealt with in college, I did not anticipate dealing with on a team, but it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. Monica, thanks for being here. You're always welcome back. Great stuff. Uh, where can we find you? Oh man, all my socials are McNutt Monica. There's an underscore at the end on Instagram. It's just McNutt Monica on Twitter. Um, I'm actually kind of stepping off a little bit using our Corona hiatus to just kind of reflect and take some me time from it all. But as soon as we're full speed ahead, I'll be back like I never left. You're always welcome back on the show. Talk soon, Monica. All right. Thanks, Andrew. Anytime. There it is. Another episode of Combos Court is in the books. Big shouts to Monica for joining in. We appreciate you. Combo Nation, drop a comment right on your Apple Podcast app. Let me know how you feel about the show. Leave a five-star rating as well. Rate and review wherever you listen to Combos Court. Be safe out there. Wash your hands and practice social distancing. We're going to get through this together. Be on the lookout for episode one, four, six. Combo out.